Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. in here just a little bit late you may have missed the announcement but this is uh, one thing something we do about four times a year called a prayer and worship Sunday so we shift things up and, and just kind of shake it up a little bit uh, which bonus for you means I preach less amount of time um, or maybe it's not a bonus I don't know but uh, it gives us a little more time just to seek the Lord personally and we know that takes practice and so we want to create space for you just to personally run after the Lord. And that's what the heartbeat behind this is, is that the, the focus of the church is never one of us. The focus of the church is always God Almighty who made us. We exist for Him. He doesn't exist for us. And so we want to reorient ourselves and just remind our hearts of that at a, in a deep way. And so I, I'm going to just talk for a, few, a little bit of, uh, about 10 minutes, where we talk about abiding prayer, because we're going to enter into a prayer movement and that's going to just be an opportunity for you to actually connect your heart to the Lord. Sound good? All right, abiding prayer is seeking personal friendship with God through complete dependence upon Jesus, His life, His strength, and His joy. And so we're going to talk uh, just a little bit about that. And I want to start by, uh, and if you're, if you're going to look in your Bibles, you might go to John 15, but I'm actually going to start in Genesis 1 uh, this morning. In Genesis 1, the very opening verses of the Bible as we kind of enter into, and you turn into the first page of the scriptures, uh, it begins this way, literally begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. This is how the scriptures begin. Do you feel the big kind of majestic majesty of, of all that's happening in that passage? You're meant to kind of imagine kind of what the, the, the astronauts did when they got to the moon and they turned around and looked at the earth and they went, it's a tiny little dot. And you're meant to go not just to the moon, but to, uh, to the heavens and look down at all creation And the Spirit of God is just doing what He wants and roaming all over the place in these things. And then He goes, hey, I think I want some light. And it's like He flipped a switch and light came on over the universe and began to shed light on who God was to us too as we saw and observed His majesty and His goodness. And He makes everything and He builds it. And the picture you're meant to have when it says He made it in seven days and He rested is this guy is so good. That he is just going to speak and worlds come into existence. And it's a perfect construction project. It, doesn't, it wasn't delayed. It, wasn't, it didn't go behind two weeks like ours is right now. 
It wasn't things. They didn't get in and go, oh no, there's a problem. We need to step back and redo something in the construction project. Or it wasn't, they weren't reacting to what they found in the ground or what they found in the walls. It was just this construction project that was out. It was ex nihilo. God created out of nothing. God saw and he spoke and said, world. And a world appeared in his time and in his way. And it was perfect and it was good. And he made man and it was very good. Do you get the sense of the bigness that Genesis 1 is meant to have, we're meant to have. Any of you seen um, the new Oppenheimer movie? When you go see this Oppenheimer movie, it's talking about the invention of the A-bomb and just they didn't know what was going to happen when they invent this explosion that's going to go. And there's this amazing scene. I mean, there's several amazing scenes in this movie. It's pretty, but but there's, there's parts where they see these particles flying and you see this kind of interwoven part of the, the, the fine, like, you know, you're meant to kind of get a picture of, of atoms that are moving, but then you also see the power of this thing. And they literally step back, and there's one part where they're about to ignite the first one, and they don't know what's going to happen. And they're going, is there a chance the whole world could end? And they're like, there's a chance. We don't know. Like, we don't know if we're going to blow the whole thing up. We're not sure, but this power is scary. And then it's almost this comedy scene where they don't know what to do. So they, they try to calculate, like, how far back do you think we need to be? And they're like, I don't know. Like, is this enough? And they're like, we should probably go back a little further. They go back a little more, like throwing some plywood up, like maybe that's going to help. And they're not sure. And then they literally are pulling out sunscreen and putting it on their faces. And they've got these goofy looking goggles with UV protection. And so you kind of get this picture of these guys standing behind something looking out like this. Like if the, if the A-bomb goes off, I think I'm good here, but I'm not real sure. And you're almost laughing at them, but they're fearful of the power of this thing that's about to explode. And friends, do you understand that that's the feeling we should have in the presence of God? That the presence of a God who created everything, he makes the A-bomb look like a, look like a sparkler. You think of the difference between a sparkler and the A-bomb going off. God is the, a, is, is the A-bomb on, to infinity. And we're meant to be fearful because of his holiness. One guy said that God is holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y. That he's wholly different than us. Sometimes we make God in our image and we think he's just like one of us. But God is something that's so much bigger that we can't even fathom what he's really like. Isaiah later is going to see an image of God and he's going to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, meaning there is no time that contains him. I don't have a category for him. He's just so different from me that I fall down on my knees and he literally says, I am undone. Meaning when I step into his presence, everything in me just unravels because I don't have a category to even articulate who he is and what he is. So did you get the picture of Genesis 1? That's what Genesis 1 is meant to make us feel. Now look at Genesis 2. Down in verse 7, Genesis 2 gives us a different picture of God and wants us to see that God, though he's holy other and big and out there, he's also intimate and right here with us. Listen to this. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. So he reaches down and he's in the dust, he's in the mud, and he's playing with it like a person. And he picks it up and forms and crafts a man like a kid playing with the dirt and making a mud pie, except he's making a human. And it says that then the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became 
a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Do you feel the intimacy of that scene? Do you see how different Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are? The God who's hovering over the face of the earth, going as he wants, speaks and worlds pop into existence. And then there's the God who kneels down and grabs some dirt and just kind of handcrafts a person and breathes life into them. And they have a soul and they are made, and they're made in his image, designed to reflect his glory and his goodness in all the earth. You've got incredible majesty and incredible intimacy. And do you guys realize that when we talk about prayer, what we're saying is that we somehow get to bring those two worlds together. That in prayer, the God who's wholly other, that if we were in his presence, we would just unravel and say, I'm undone. I don't know even how to articulate him. That same God is, is sitting there with us going, hey, tell me what's going on with you. And giving ear to the things that are going on in us. And that's meant to blow your mind. Friends, that, when we talk about prayer, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about somehow having one hand in the dirt of this world and one hand tethered to the power of the Almighty at the same time. And we get to give voice to that. Now here's what's interesting. You know why prayer is hard? Because what happened in Genesis 3, which is sin came into the world. And it created a separation between us. And we went our own way. Instead of saying tether to God, we said, I think I got this. I'm going to go do it myself. And we walked away. And we walked away from the Lord. And so that made prayer hard for us. Because now we're groping and trying to find our way to something spiritual. And God says, I'm going to have to go and, res- I'm going to have to go and do something. So you get to a verse like John 3.16. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whoever believed in him would not perish as those who were on their own who would have everlasting life, meaning they would be reconnected to the source that's eternal, that never ends. And so through the gospel, through the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus' rescue of us, we're reunited, given uh, given new life. It says we're made new creations. It's meant to say what we lost when we got from went from Genesis 1 to 2 to 3, we get again through the new creation of Christ in us, and we're restored to a right relationship with God, so we begin to pray again. It's interesting then when you look at a verse like Colossians 2. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. You catch the image there. You know what a root is? It's when you get connected to something. And what it says is somehow we're rooted to Christ. Friends, where is Christ right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavens, but somehow we're rooted, we're connected to Him so that we've got this source of sustenance and life and strength that, that's connected to the God of the universe who, who's rescued us. John 15 tells us about this. Jesus did. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Because what does that word abide mean? It means to remain, to dwell, to live. What he says is, I'm calling you to abide in me, to live in the realm in which I live, to dwell and make your life connected to me. Why? Because he's the one who is all-powerful. He's the one who's all wise. He's the one who's 
who's all, uh, all everlasting. And so there is no limit there. So friends, when we were separated from God, it says we were lifeless. When we get reconnected to God, we become, we, we, we find the source of life again. We're rooted in Him. We draw nourishment and life and sustenance from Him. Uh, John, uh, Paul Miller said, if you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You will always be a little too tired, a little too busy. But if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find time to pray. Friends, the reason we pray is because we want to be reconnected to the source of life. Whenever we don't pray, it means that, well, I think I can do it all on my own. But what does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. We'll never have spiritual vitality, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, spiritual, uh, spiritual life that, that's overflowing in joy if we're separated from Christ. So prayer is really a way to connect ourselves to God. It anchors us, it strengthens us, it, uh, it, it grows us, and it nourishes us. It says that my hope, my life, my joy are found only in God. And so we run to Him. Uh, John, Jesus went on in John 15 to say, As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Friends, the invitation of the Christian life is that you don't have to live it on your own. That you don't have to live it in the Genesis 3 of I've rejected God and I'm going to try everything on my own but I find myself exhausted and worn out and, and spent, and, and I find myself lacking the power and the joy and the hope that, that is eternal. And so I want to be reconnected to the God of the universe, and it's through Jesus and His grace that we get connected to Him. But, just as Colossians says, as we receive Him, we have to learn to walk in Him. We have to learn to walk that out. And one of the ways we do that is through prayer. So here's what I want us to do, is I want us to practice some prayer today. And prayer, if you remember, as we talk about it, is it's just trying to reconnect to the God that made you. Trying to, to say, man, I'm down here, I'm down here in the dirt, and I'm still one of those that's completely dependent upon God for my life and my breath, and I'm, I'm down here, but I'm going to reach up to the heavens and somehow trust that, that through the mystery and magic and power of prayer that I'm going to be connecting the power of God who's holy other with the intimacy of a mother or a father who's holding an infant and cares for you. And somehow prayer brings us into those two worlds. So, sound good? Uh, so here's what we're going to do as we kind of lean in here and begin to pray. And uh, the band's going to come back up. But we're going to practice this abiding prayer. We're going to take three to four minutes. And this is just your chance to engage with God, to find rest and joy in Him. And what we're going to do is I've got some slides that we're going to put on the screen. And as we put these uh, up on the screen, uh, they're going to guide you and kind of direct your attention and tell you how it is that you can pray. And then we're just going to give you 60 seconds for you just to personally go to God and just to engage with Him in prayer. Um, and so I'll introduce each one. The slide will come on screen. And then I just want you to practice praying. And if you're new to this and you're not sure what to do, you can just let your mind focus it on the Lord. Uh, you can just begin to talk either silently or quietly uh, to the Lord and just talk to Him like you would a friend. Because through Christ, you've been reunited and He's no longer called you a slave, but He called you a son or a daughter. So you can speak to him as a father that loves you. So let me just pray for us, and then I'll introduce the first prayer, and then you guys can pray. Um, and then I'll introduce the next one, and we'll keep going. 
Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the life that we have in him. I thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves, but that you sent your only son to rescue us, that we might be restored to you. Father, meet us now by your spirit. Father, for each person here, would you just meet them in the, the, the most private place of their soul where only you can go. Father, do work, heal, and encourage them where they need it. 